Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. Today I have with me Pastor John Yoon. If you remember way back, I did a podcast with Lydia Yoon and this is her husband. Um, we talk about kind of what brought him to Atlanta and in doing so, we learn about his calling for the city of Atlanta. And we end up talking a lot about you know, broken families and his heart to repair those families. So yeah, it was a very interesting conversation. So yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. We have, uh, I, I put the label the most, oh shoot, I, I remember I mentioned it to you, but I forgot the phrase I used. The most elusive <laughs> uh, guest, I think. Um, I've been asking John to Man. do this forever, and finally we've gotten the chance to do it. And you know what? I'm actually surprised that it happened after your fourth child. Yeah, which uh, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So Zion is mm-hmm. your, your son's name. Yep. Um, for, for those of you guys who don't know, um, Pastor John um, has three daughters and finally a son. Yes. Is this kind of like what you've been waiting for? Um, no, not in particular. I mean, we're glad he's a boy, but we're Mm -hmm. not particularly happy that he's a son. Mm -hmm. As in, like, we wouldn't have been any more disappointed if it was a daughter. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of excited because it is a little change of pace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it's a boy. It's it's the first boy, actually, in our kind of, like, immediate family, including you know, his cousins. Right? right. And so my cousins are all older than I am and they've had sons and things like that. But between myself, my brother, Lydia's sister and Lydia's brother, we've only had girls. Wow. And so he's the first kind of boy in this nuclear thing. So does that, um, I, I want to ask you about kind of, this is a very traditional Korean thing. You know how Koreans... I imagine most Asian countries, we have this whole, like, sons need to carry on the name type of thing. And especially you being mm-hmm. the oldest son in your family, mm-hmm. is there any sort of special significance in you having a son? Not in particular. Yeah, so my family, they've... I feel like grow, when I was a kid, they were pretty traditional mm. or whatnot. But then kind of just being in America, I think open their minds up mm. a little bit so they've become a lot less of a stickler for the korean traditions mm. and all those things um yeah i mean they're just excited because it, it's like oh our first the first grandson you right know? and so they're excited for that but it's not because there's a greater weight like on his shoulders or mine right. for him to be a boy right yeah yeah, so for my family, between me and my brother, we have I have two daughters. My mm-hmm. brother has two daughters, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my in my dad's family, in my dad's like immediate family, he has only one other male sibling. So wow. all like he has like four sisters, three sis- three sisters. So one shins brother. are few. Yeah, and his brother only had a daughter, and I believe wow. my grandfather either was the only male or his brother did it wow or something like that no way yeah uh-huh. so there's it's <laughs> for that kind of branch of the family um there is kind of a stoppage here um and i remember when kaylin our second born was like when we found out the gender 
my mom was like, oh, it's okay, oh, don't be disappointed. Dang. No, no, but it, oh, it I see, I see. Okay, yeah, okay, she made it like, oh, don't be disappointed, because my like Shirley mentioned at one point how she wanted a son, but we were like, I feel like you're projecting a little bit, because like we're totally fine with the daughter. So even though my parents are also like, you know, like it doesn't matter as long as the baby's healthy, kind of thing. Um, they, I think my parents, at least my mom, I don't know about my dad. I think my mom has a little bit of a. I do wish one of you guys That's would have a son. Yeah. Are both of you guys done? We're not done. Okay. My brother has said that he might be done, mm. but who knows? He also said that he wasn't going to have a second kid for like six <laughs> years, but then it happened way faster. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see. But um, yeah, again, with all that said, thank mm. you so much for being here. Yes. I know it. Thank must you for be... having me, not giving up on me. Yeah. No. Of course. <laughs> no. This is the 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 interview or the episode that I, I really wanted. This should have been like episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, because no, like legit. Going back, the episode that I did with Lydia, you, your mm-hmm, wife, mm-hmm. that was like fairly early. I want to say like thirties, maybe. Wow. Yeah. But this is gonna be Dang. like episode like. 130 or something like that wow. so, yeah you're a beast man <laughs> oh no 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 yeah it's uh i've slowed down a ton it's uh i noticed a little gap but yeah. dude over a hundred is that's wild yeah it's been fun and uh we'll, we'll get into it later too but i want to talk about the butt honey podcast mm-hmm. as well so yeah for her the <laughs> which the, is why i know that 100 is no joke <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. So thank you for coming. And I, I thought we'd get it kicked off with kind of just hearing about your story um, of how you ended up in Georgia because your your transplant, fairly recent transplant, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. I always thought you're. I kind of know a little bit, um, but I thought it was very interesting how you kind of like went around a lot of different places and ended up in Georgia, like Atlanta of all places. Yeah. I'll try to make it as coherent as possible but long story short uh was born and raised in new york same with my wife born and raised in new york uh we both met in new york but both got married in new york um i did all my schooling in new york um including seminary Mm -hmm. i went to alliance theological seminary um shout out to ats and um and so we were in new york doing ministry in new york for about three and a half years Mm -hmm. Um, and during that time, a good friend of mine uh, was a missionary in Haiti. And so mm. we were just taking like a brief family vacation while he was up in Canada because mm. um, we would kind of frequent Canada. It's like a eight hour drive, which wasn't like a huge deal oh, back right. then. Um, and so uh, during one of our times in Canada, we were just kind of, you know, joking around with each other. And I was like, man, it'd be so fun for us to work together. And he was like, dude, do it. Mm. And then we just like kind of stopped laughing. And I was like, man. And and he was like giving me the whole pitch for his nonprofit mm-hmm. in Haiti, his mission organization. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let us pray about it. Mm. And so while we were praying about it, that was kind of the first time. Lydia, she's a little ahead of me in terms of like where she sees the direction of our family going. Mm. And so even from the moment we were married, she was like, do you not see like missions in the horizon at all? And I was like, no, we're going to be in New York forever. I want to plant a church here and I have a 20 year vision, you know, uh-huh. um, obviously we know who was right. Uh-huh. Um, but 
Yeah, so long story short, what, what happened was while we were praying, we just felt uh, God place a heart for the nations. Um, I guess I felt, right, because Lydia had been feeling it. Mm. And so the plan was kind of like, all right, let's go to Haiti. Nothing, oh, no wow. big deal. And that was the original plan. Mm. <clears throat> and so I called my friend. I let him know. And he was like, hey, that's awesome. It was October mm-hmm. of 2013. Okay. And I let him know. And he's like, dude, that's awesome. Uh we're going to go get things set up, but um, we'll ha- we'll shoot to have you guys come around August mm. of 2014. And we we're like, okay, cool. Um, and I kind of put in my notice with my church. I told them, you know, because I knew I was going to leave the following year, I just wanted to kind of make it clean mm. and um, just step down by the end of the year because it was October. Um, so I stepped down in in the beginning of January and we were kind of like man what this was i think in in november or december where we, where i was like man what are, what are you going what are we going to do for 8 months mm. um like it's not like a church is going to take us for 8 months mm. it's not like i can work any other job that's worth anything mm. um and so we were like and we both kind of felt it was going to be a season of uh i guess like training mm. and mentoring like being mentored and so we were kind of trying to figure out what that would look like. Um, and then, again, long story short, came across a Facebook post by Young of mine for a tuition-free DTS in Kansas City. Mm. Um, and there were people we knew and that we loved there. Oh, and for people who don't know, what does DTS stand for? DTS is Discipleship Training School mm. uh, by an organization called Youth with a Mission, uh, which is always toggling between first and second largest mission organization with crew right Mm. and so um there was a dts beginning in january you know Mm. so like in a month and a half or so um and so i signed up for it lydia was still sleeping i kind of woke her up i was like hey we're gonna kansas city next (laughs) month we gotta start packing Uh. um yeah, and then we did a DTS. And so the Discipleship Training School is a six-month program. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of fell in line perfectly, right? Like, go get trained in mission, mm-hmm. uh, come back, raise funds, and then go to Haiti. So at this time, when you so like when, when you decided you are going to do this thing in Haiti with your friend, mm-hmm. did, were you, did you guys have kids yet? or We had Addy. Okay, so mm-hmm. just, just your eldest. Yeah. Okay. And that's why it was going to take some time for us mm. to go because they knew that they had to set up to host for a family. Right, right. Okay. And so Addie at that time was like a uh, little less than 18 months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She was born like the June, the year before that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And so packed our things, drove to Kansas City. That was one of the longest drives of my life. I think I drove like... <laughs> We drove through like every kind of weather. Mm. It, it was sunshine when we left. It started pouring. It started snowing, hailing, like everything. <laughs> um, there were like trucks stopped on the side of the road. Oh and I was like gosh. trucking on at like 40 miles per hour <laughs> um, until I realized like, man, we're never going to get there at this rate. Mm. And so we kind of stopped at Indianapolis. I think it took a total of like 30 hours to get there. Wow. Yeah. Typical is like 22 or so so it's not like a short drive yeah but, yeah um yeah and so that's what we did um we had one of our church girls coming with us danielle and so she was in the back of the seat actually she is 
getting married at the end of this month, which is why we're going to be going to New York this month. But, oh, wow. Congratulations. Um, yeah, and the story comes full circle, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. But, yeah, and so we drove to Kansas City. We did our DTS, six-month uh-huh. program. Um, and then after the six months, I had a phone call with my friend to mm-hmm. kind of touch base and see how things were going. And, man, all of these in and of itself is probably like an entire long story. But long story short, I'm going to say that a lot. Um, We realized because Haiti at that time was, I mean, and it still is, but especially at that time was very uh, unstable, the government and everything. And so even if you contract a building, Mm. it's not real, you know. And so you could have a building contracted for like, for like ten thousand dollars and your moving date is like april 10th and on april 5th if somebody was like hey i'll give you 15 they'll be like okay (laughs) and so something like that happened um the place we were all supposed to be kind of fell through Mm. and so um and and during the six months we fell in love with ywam Mm. and so our plan was uh, we were going to go to Haiti for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we were in YWAM, we were like, okay, well, maybe let's make that two um, because we wanted to come back and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all worked out because they couldn't host us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. And I was like, hey, it's okay. We have alternative plans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're still friends. It's not like that broke anything. Um, in fact, I felt like it was it was almost better that we just stayed mm-hmm friends rather than um you know professionally kind of yeah right. getting tied together right um and so and the ywam staff at that time they were praying for us to come back too mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like good news on all ends um we we came back in june and we thought we were gonna go back in like december mm-hmm. and so we were gonna raise funds for a while <clears throat> excuse me but um, somebody called Lydia in August, the, the base director's wife called Lydia and was like, Hey, there's a women's conference in September and we want you to lead. And so we were like, all right, well, let's just pull our schedule three months early. And we moved in September. We actually moved there over my, I think it was my 30th, no, 28th birthday, something like that. It was over one of my birthdays. But I had Danielle fly with Lydia mm. and Addie. And then I just kind of hauled all our stuff and, and drove overnight. Um, Wait, yeah. I'm sorry. So you were in YWAM. Uh-huh. Once the DTOS was over, you went back to New York? Kind mm-hmm. of in that yeah. waiting period. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And so we were in Kansas City for YWAM. January, well, January to March, we were in Kansas City. And then we went to India mm. from... March to June. Okay. And then in June, we came back to New York to fundraise and things like that. I see. Mm-hmm. And then September, we permanently relocated to Kansas mm-hmm. City. So we, like, had no more belongings in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and with uh, Danielle, was that just kind of like you guys were, like, discipling her? So you guys were, like, or... Yeah, I mean, she was, at that time, one of the people we were discipling, but she was also on her own journey, too. And so, Mm -hmm. like, she didn't decide to do DTS because we were discipling her. She was walking with us or anything like that. She also felt like a very parallel call at that time. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so we were, we moved into YWAM, Kansas City. 
September of 2014, mm-hmm. and we were there until May 2016. So, a little mm-hmm. shy of three years. Yeah, a little shy of three years, mm-hmm. including our DTS. We were there for like about three and a half years, mm-hmm. and then, and then we moved here. And the way that happened, uh, again, and while you were in Kansas. You had another child, right? Yes, yeah. we had our second child in uh-huh. Kansas City, uh-huh. um, Hadassah. And so by the time we were getting ready to move here, we had Adeline and Hadassah, mm. um, who were probably at that time, probably like five and two mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, or I guess about to turn five. Mm. And then the second one had just turned two. Um yeah, and so in Kansas City, we felt like there was like a transition coming for us. Mm. Uh, so we were kind of praying through what that was. Um, and again, long story short, um, we felt like God was calling us to the family sphere mm-hmm. um, and also back to the Korean American church. Mm. Yay, you know? <laughs> um, and so... Um, then, then can I ask, yeah. um, because you were... I mean, a, a lot of people who kind of grew up in the Korean American church, mm-hmm. there's a lot of emotion, oh, yeah. a lot of different thoughts behind yes, the Korean absolutely. American church, right? So was it like a mostly negative or positive emotion? Hmm. That's a great question. It was a mix of both. Mm. Probably more negative, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... I guess like probably more negative looking at the Korean church again and like mm. knowing I'll be working under that system again. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, we took a lot of lessons from YWAM mm. of even just like, you know, YWAM is a super multicultural, multi-ethnic organization. Right. Um, it's not even just like, you know, bunch of mixed americans it's like people from all over the world literally coming right Right. uh but still even in in that kind of context there's a lot of um you know things that you don't like about the korean church which you kind of assume is isolated to Mm. the korean church but isn't Mm. and then you realize a lot more it's like oh there's just stuff in me too that's just very offendable you know Mm. um and so you know we matured a little bit uh, but more than anything, we were uh, kind of like geared to go and excited to go, even with all the negative stuff that came along, because we felt uh, like we were cu- going back as missionaries mm. to the Korean church rather mm. than just like me getting a job there. And so even now, like, yeah, I'm a pastor by occupation, but I see it more as you know, like if a missionary were to go to another country and be a teacher, like he would say he's a teacher, but really he's there because there's a call from the Lord and he's there on mission, right? Mm. And so that's how I feel um, back at the Korean church. Um, the The basic gist of the word that we got from the Lord when we came back was um, that he was calling us back to the family to restore family mm. um, And that a lot of the brokenness of the Korean church comes from the brokenness of the Korean family. Mm. And that the restoration or like redemption of the Korean church wouldn't come without the restoration and redemption of the Korean family. Mm. 
Um, so it wasn't going to be some event. It wasn't going to be like us coming and doing crusades, but uh, just coming and trying our best to model what it looks like to be a God-fearing family, um, not just between you know Lydia and myself and then us and our kids, but also uh, with Lydia's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was part of the assignment, you know, to live with them. And so even now we live with Lydia's parents. Um, so then at the time, I know you mentioned Lydia grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. Was it like you guys coming from Kansas to Atlanta and Lydia's parents also coming from New York? Or so were Lydia's they... parents moved to Georgia before we even went to Kansas City. Oh, I see. I yeah. See. Gotcha. So there was there was like a sister church that was planted here mm-hmm. by a lot of people who used to go to Lydia's church in mm-hmm. New York that moved down to Georgia. And they mm-hmm. kind of all stuck together like a group of families. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they started asking Lydia's dad if they if he could come down and and like speak on Sundays. Mm. And so he started splitting his Sundays between New York and Georgia. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And Lydia would go with him. And this was like during college, right? Yeah. And so she's like in the middle of the semester and she would fly down to Georgia Friday night and then come back Sunday night like every other week. Wow. Yeah. Which wow. was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Back when Airtran was a thing. They had like millions of air train miles, probably. Too bad it amounts to nothing now. But. Wow. Air yeah. Train. Yeah. And so that's kind of that's kind of what happened is we came. So at first, when we got the call for family and all those things, we thought we were gonna kind of like, what do you call it in English? Like Moshe, right? Like usher Lydia's parents from Georgia into Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it was. For us to come here mm. and so that's what we did and when we first moved here man we first i got to georgia in august of 2017 and uh-huh. from august of 2017 until january of 2018 it was lydia's parents lydia's older brother lydia and myself and addy and dasa in a two-bedroom apartment wow yeah Right. The the brand new. Well, it, back then they were brand new apartments. Mm-hmm. Right. Right by Sugarloaf Mills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we were for like four months, five months in that like two bedroom apartment. It wow. was wild. <laughs> How did that yeah. work? Like were Lydia's you... parents had one bedroom uh-huh. with a bathroom attached. Uh-huh. We had the other bathroom. I mean, other bedroom that had like a bathroom just outside the door. Mm-hmm. That's like the shared bathroom. And then Lydia's brother slept in the living room and we kind of like sectioned it off wow yeah <laughs> that's rough yeah it was really rough I yeah. mean, we were just waiting for the lease to be up uh. um but yeah that's how like our time in georgia began and i think it was good i think it was very marking right like mm-hmm. we didn't come to be comfortable mm-hmm. um but it helped us like stay engaged too and then you're like really close quarters to everyone mm-hmm. and so the tensions kind of go up and you know, and it was everything that we might not necessarily have wanted, but I think that we needed to be where we are mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know. And so now we have, we live in a comfortable, like, five-bedroom home, still together, but we all have our own individual spaces. We could probably make do without seeing each other ever, mm-hmm. but we are the family unit we are today because of that time. Um, yeah. In addition to, there was a short period we lived together in New York too. Oh, okay. But yeah, but that was not a good time. And so coming to live with them 
here was not like oh it'll be fun Um, but we were like man do we really want like we had to count the cost and say yes but we're great now mm. you know (laughs) so i know you mentioned your your assignment of kind of like the family restoration what what does like family brokenness look like because i like i'm hearing all this and i'm like oh yeah it resonates but for me i don't know if like, I mean, not saying that I'm bad with my parents. Like, me and my mm-hmm. parents, it's great. But just because I know what the typical, like, Asian-American yeah. family, especially the tension between the first-gen and second-gen mm-hmm. looks like, I don't really know. If I, if I, if you were to tell me, distinguish for me what is, like, a broken family versus a non-broken mm-hmm. family, I don't know if I would be able to do it yeah. just because it's... For sure. Broken is, looks like such baseline to me. Yeah, so. and, and I think also with, you know, the the pride and shame culture Mm -hmm. being so prevalent in the Korean culture, it's hard to tell from the surface to begin with, Mm. right? Because everyone's trying to look like a great family Mm -hmm. on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a great question. I think, you know, I mean, there are the obvious ones of like divorce um, and, and things like that. But even beyond that, I think, um, like the baseline foundation for me is like how connected are they Mm. right and so are they comfortable communicating with each other what do their expectations of each other look like Mm. and how do they communicate those things um i think and so i i again i think the clearest picture of it comes out in the korean church because it it's kind of like the most extreme right um so you know for those of you listeners who aren't familiar with Korean church dynamics. And again, you know, this is just a broad stroke painting. It's mm-hmm. not like every Korean church is like this. Even with our own church, I don't think, I think we're blessed to have a very healthy relationship between the KM and EM. But there's this kind of catch 22 where the EM will always just be children mm-hmm. to yeah. the KM, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like there will be a slip of the tongue and KMs will just call the EM youth because that's just how they see them. Um, But there's this catch-22 of the KM wanting the EM to mature, Mm. but never entrusting them with something to mature in. Right. And and so the EM, on the other hand, as they're growing up, there's a bitterness in them because they're like, I am not a child. Don't treat me like a child. And then there's like kind of a chip on their shoulder because Mm -hmm. they see what the KM isn't good at. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we're good at those things, but why do they treat us like we're second class citizens? You know, and and so I think there's a lot of that kind of dynamic, even in in the Korean American families, at least, you know, the ones that I've had the privilege to counsel and, Mm -hmm. you know, have trusted me enough to step into their spaces. more than anything, the brokenness isn't like a, it's not an aggressive brokenness. It's mm. just a disconnection. Yeah. And then, you know, Koreans being the passive kind of people that they are, just let that disconnection linger. Mm. And and then you're just really, you know, if you're in the same house, you're roommates more than family. We see that even between, you know, Korean parents sometimes, between yeah. husbands and wives who like, are probably just together because of their kids and mm-hmm. because of public image but they're more just roommates 
than like in love, right. you know, and, and married and connected. Mm. And that kind of bleeds through, I think, between the relationships of children and parents, too. Mm. I think, you know, I mean, I'll throw in a little plug for my wife. It's one of my favorite songs that she wrote is her Korean song, mm. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if the heart could speak. And the reason I think that it is so powerful and we've, you know, had people share with us that it was so powerful, yeah. like people sitting with their parents and crying together mm-hmm. and and it's because like she was able to say the words that they you know deep down want to say mm-hmm. but they just can't get themselves to say it mm-hmm. and i think so i i think it all comes down to communication mm-hmm. again and so the more broken the family is i think there's also the greater sense of assumption yeah they just assume like Oh, they'll know this, or they'll know that, or right. you know. Yeah, and I think that's the the when I first heard that song, it was like, oh, these are the words, like I wish I could hear. Yeah, like I know that they think. Yes, I know. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But then, like, just to be able to hear these yeah. words and actually like get it out there, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is a guys. Absolutely. If you haven't heard, it's a great <laughs> song. You should go yeah. Spotify, look up a Lydia Yoon. Lydia Yoon music. Yeah, I think Lydia Yoon yeah. works, yeah. 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 But you know, like even with like Korean dads, I think most sons know that their dads don't hate them. Mm-hmm. Like that they their dads love them. Mm-hmm. Probably to a measure are proud of them. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Like dads will go and like show off their kid to their friends. Mm-hmm. But then, like, in front of them, they'll never say, like, man, I love you. Or I'm proud of you for this. Or you did a good job with that. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of assumed, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. And I think it's really telling because, like, I would say the relationship I have with my parents is pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. Like, compared to, relative to, like, the typical. Yeah, yeah. But the, the most memorable moments of my dad being proud of me weren't him telling me mm. it was always someone else saying oh you know your dad yeah. told me this about you yeah yeah so it's like yeah oh like that's that's like those are the moments where it's like oh like he does like yep. he is proud of me he does love me yeah um but yeah i think when you say expectation and kind of the whole like you assume the other mm-hmm. party knows but isn't really communicated yeah that is such a huge barrier mm-hmm. um and i think it's like compounded with the fact that there's a language and cultural barrier yeah now. I mean, even without those things, yep. it's tough. But mm-hmm. with those there, it's all, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I want to ask you then, kind of your relationship with, since you've lived with Lydia's parents, mm-hmm. there's another level of kind of disconnect because you're not related by blood. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's, for lack of a better term, kind of a power struggle. Um, mm. Not to say that anyone's trying to grab power, but then, you know, you're... A, head of a household yes he's also head of a household under the same Mm -hmm. household so like i mean can you tell me a little bit about the dynamics well let's start with some of the things that were tough Mm -hmm. and then some of the things that you know were a blessing yeah for sure i mean the tough ones are for me kind of the most obvious things are there are things that genuinely bother me Mm. um that they would do on a regular basis but I don't feel like I have, at least at first, right? I didn't feel like I had the relational collateral or um, the position to say anything to them. Mm. And so then you just feel like you're kind of eating it, 
Mm. You know, um, that was probably the toughest thing. And then also, I mean, okay, I'll just start by saying a lot of people when they hear like that I live with my in-laws, they're like, oh, good on you. Like, it must be hard. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah. and they're like looking at me like I'm doing the harder thing. But to be honest, I think it's far harder for Lydia mm. because they're her parents and then I'm her husband. Right. Right. And so for me, I have my wife. And then I have my wife's parents. And so there's a very clear distinction of what takes priority um, and whose side I take, all of those things. But, you know, it's I know it's tough for Lydia because when I, when there are things that bother me, who do I tell? I tell her. And if there are things that bother them, who do they tell? They tell her. Mm. Right. And so I think that's where we've matured a lot in our relationship is yeah. that now we can actually communicate those things to each other too mm, without um, having to go through the video right without having the middleman of the real blood right? <laughs> right um of course it's not just like hey you didn't take out the trash or like whatever it's like we learn to do it in a way that isn't offensive but mm. we're at least communicating mm. right um well some parties it's like they're still getting there because yeah. their personality is a little more like keep it in keep it in explode right um, but yeah, I mean, so that was probably one of the, one of the toughest things is when we have different preferences or when things aren't in sync, right? Like something as simple as the refrigerator, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like where do we put our stuff? How do we put it? How much groceries can you buy? You know, oh, yeah. where do you put it? Yeah. Um, and that's where like a lot of things were tough for me because things just move. Mm. And I have a really big pet peeve on like putting everything back in its home. And then when it's not there, you know, like something should be here. It could be right here and I'll be like, where is it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> so um, that was probably the toughest thing. Um, and then, of course, parenting our kids. Mm. That becomes tough, right? Oh, yeah. Because grandparents always have a suggestion you know and a lot of times it's not a suggestion um but we had to learn to draw the line Mm. um things like that and so in terms of like the toughness i think lydia has had it way tougher and has made a lot more leaps and bounds in terms of communication with her uh particularly her mom Mm -hmm. um than anyone in our family dynamic Mm -hmm. Um, but the things that are good um there are tons. I think first and foremost, like our kids being familiar with their grandparents, like yeah. super familiar with their grandparents, yeah. um, always having them around. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think also it just helps me to have that perspective of like, it's not just about my family. Mm. There's like more to come. Even my kids are going to grow up and then I'm going to be like the grandparent. Um, and just desiring like greater and deeper heart connection between like across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are <clears throat> like promises over Lydia's parents' lives that we get to that we get to kind of um, benefit from, mm. you know, and same with our kids. We always have, you know, the backup babysitters if we need. Right. You know, there are like tons of good things about it. Yeah. Um, you just have to get through the tough things. And 
and it has to be worth it for you yeah you know and so again for us it wasn't just like we were like oh yeah family is such a good value for us like mm-hmm. let's do this like we really felt it was an assignment from the lord and mm-hmm. so we wanted to do it well um and it was okay when it was hard mm-hmm. because we weren't just doing it as a hobby or out of convenience right. you know yeah wow yeah you know and you, you mentioned um kind of the familial familiarity i mean especially because like me i grew up in america without any cousins or mm. grandparents so when i would go to korea of all my cousins i was me and my brother were the only ones using chundemar like formal wow. speech to the grandparents all my cousins were kind of just informal because they grew up with them right, right? Yeah. Yeah, they like lived together they grew up mm-hmm. with them um and it was yeah and then like and another funny thing is my brother moved to korea too hmm. and he lived with my emo like for the first few years he was there and so this is like after he graduated law school he went to korea to work mm-hmm. he lived with my emo i and i don't know when he switched we always spoke oh that's so her, funny <laughs> but he like st- suddenly like just not only his speech but he's also kind of treating her as if he would treat our mom mm. and then but then i'm still here like speaking chundemar so like there is that like even though you're blood yeah there are levels of familiarity Absolutely, yeah and like this was the most apparent when um uh my so my daughter my oldest mm-hmm. she was i was showing her picture so like she'll facetime my brother's kids every mm-hmm. now and again it's hard because the he lives in korea and there's oh, a language man. barrier yeah, right. and all that but then they like facetime together they're always really shy but Shirley's brother um, has a daughter and mm. they get to see each other every week at church. And as I was showing her pictures of my brother's kids, I was saying, hey, this is your cousin. And my, my Aisley's like, cousin? I was like, yeah, this is your cousin and cousin. <laughs> and then she's like, two cousin? I was like, well, no, you have three cousins because, you know, Audrey is here. You know, Brian Sunshin and Hannah, mm. uh, Imo's, Hannah Sungmo's uh, daughter, Audrey. And she goes, no i was like what she goes no one cousin i was like what he goes audrey's my cousin what yeah i was like i'm like they're your cousin too and she's like no audrey so it's like because she's so much more familiar with audrey yeah the concept of cousin makes sense to Mm -hmm. for her yeah like oh she's family right and and, like they come over a lot Mm -hmm. so like they see our interactions like me interacting with you know brian all that kind of stuff happening but when it's with um my brother's family it's like very wow. curated kind That's of so interesting yeah yeah so i mean i'm sure like once and she, she, well she gets when she gets older she'll understand mm-hmm. okay these are yeah, my cousins for sure but then until we get the opportunity to like really get them to play and, and things like mm. that i think there's always going to be that barrier that's so interesting yeah, yeah so like i think we do take um the term blood is thicker than water mm. kind of i like it's like a little uh misleading yeah because yeah. like you you assume family is just going to be family forever and always but i i don't know if that's true if you don't like you were saying put the work into you know creating Absolutely. those relationships i think and i think that saying is just becoming less and less true as time goes by too mm, mm, yeah but yeah yeah so wow wow that's interesting yeah, and I you know, and I will say this: I Shirley's parents live in Florida, so mm-hmm. they'll come every now and again when they have business here, mm-hmm. and they'll stay with us. 
And even in those little bits, there are just, just there's difficulty all around. Um, and not again, not saying we have a bad relationship. Yeah. But you know, it's like I'm sure it's not the most comfortable for my in-laws. You know, having to come to like our space. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, with Shirley being the middle person, I'm sure she hears from both ends. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then your just, space doesn't feel like your space anymore. Right. And then like the whole parenting thing is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like my my mom, she watches our kids every morning on the weekend mm-hmm. weekdays and thankfully like she's really great when it's like we ask her not to do certain things or mm. to do it a certain way she's she's very like hyper aware of like oh like i'm gonna let them raise the kids the way they want but then there are things that she can't help which i totally <laughs> understand where she'll be like my mom's like super clean so she'll be like hey maybe you should organize the kids play area a little bit more like things like that like or she'll say like hey do you mind if i actually clean for you guys like and like there's there are like little things i slip through so yeah i I think um it's if you don't have kind of the common understanding like my mom and us like it's great because she has the understanding and the expectation Mm -hmm. of like these are the boundaries and, you know, these are the things that you can feel free to do. But these are the things that we want to do this way. I think it works well because of that. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine if we didn't have those boundaries set, yeah. how difficult it would be for mm-hmm. her to come every day and, like, see us raising our kids in the way that she doesn't yep. agree yep. with. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And again, I think that's kind of kind of a little telling of the fact that your family is on the healthier side of the spectrum, right? Because mm-hmm. I could... I could already picture some of my friends and conversations that we would have and things they would share about, you know, like some some in-laws, they'll come and they won't say anything, but they won't have to, you know, mm. they you just know they don't approve of what mm. you're doing, how you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and then they'll like feed the kids candy and you're like, oh, we don't give them candy. And they're like, oh, it's all right. We fed you all candy, too. <laughs> and that's it. Like, what what do you say to that? Nothing. Right. You're right. like can't wait for you to leave you know like and and a lot of it again it does even the fact that she asks you right Mm, yeah i think like an unhealthy version of that looks like her cleaning all the time right and then one day blowing up on you like you know i clean your place all the time because it's so messy and you're like well but we never asked you to do it (laughs) you know but now that she's doing it there's an expectation for you to return that somehow Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. and and so that's kind of i think where communication is is very helpful yeah um and then yeah i mean i think mutual respect is good right because again even what you're implying by what you're saying about your mom is that she trusts you guys Mm -hmm. as grown people which you are you know (laughs) i think parents forget that sometimes i was just having a conversation with lydia about like my grandmother she'll trigger me sometimes right Mm. but like she'll say stuff about child rearing and in my mind i'm like a you have not reared a child for a very long time it's been a it's been a minute for you you're (laughs) probably a lot more rusty at it than i am Uh yeah you may have experience Uh but it's been a while that's number one Mm -hmm. and number two like i had more kids than you Mm. (laughs) you know and so like if you want to compare the stat sheets like 
you should be listening to me. Mm. But then again, there's just that automatic, I'm grandma, mm. right? And so you kind of give her that. And again, because like I have a really good relationship with my grandmother, mm-hmm. it's like I can joke with her and I can like, or like a lot of times when I know she's just, you know, she gets in the mood sometimes. Yeah. You just say like, nah, nah, nah. And you're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, and like I let yeah. it kind of flow off. Yeah. But I know peop- a lot of people who genuinely get bothered by that and mm. can't let it go. Mm. You know, and they hold a lot of bitterness and they're like, I'm never having her over or like X, Y, Z. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I, I think and that's like, that's, that's such a tragic thing. Um, I know... Okay, I, I don't want to name drop, but I'm going <laughs> to... I've been trying so hard too, so... I, I know somebody who made the comment, like, when I have kids, I'm never letting my in-laws meet them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I understand, like, the things you've told me about your interactions with them, very mm-hmm. tough, very, like, and I can understand why. Like, you're totally the victim, and they're very, they're, the, they're very much the aggressors. So, like, I totally understand what you're saying, but you're talking about severing like a relationship between a grandparent yeah. and a grandchild. Like you don't get many of those. No. You get like two sets of grandparents and you mm-hmm. don't have them for that long, nope. you know? So it's like, it's so sad to hear. And like, I don't discount the person who said that mm-hmm. in, in the moment they said it because mm-hmm. like, I, I'm sure it's justified. Yeah. You know, like the hurt behind of what they experienced. Of course. Yeah. But it's like, I, I, I did say to the person, man, but yeah, like I understand, but please, like, please reconsider because, you know, that's, you know, it's like, it's like family. You don't, it's very limited. Yeah. It's not like you can just go out there and like buy new grandparents or like mm-hmm. find new grandparents, yeah. you know? So it, it is sad to see so much of that in our community. Yeah. There really is a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the solution? Is there a solution? I mean, in an ideal world, Mm. I would say in that kind of situation, I personally believe it is kind of the the younger generation's responsibility to be able to release forgiveness, Mm. right? Um, Again, I think think when we look at it selfishly, like, of course, you know, they shouldn't say these things to you and X, Y, Z. But, but also, we have the privilege to look at that generation mm-hmm. and like nitpick mm-hmm. because we had the comfort to be able to sit here and look at that generation. Right. Yeah. Like for them, they just survived. Yeah. You know? And so it's like kind of taking like, like a veteran from the Vietnam War and being like, dude, why are you so mean? Mm. But no one is mean because they want to be, (laughs) you know? And so, and, and and to be honest, I think that those kind of people, grandchildren is exactly what they need, you know, just like people who will love them regardless. Right. Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, of course we've had, we've had specific touch points too, you know, of like, you know, um, I don't want to blow up her spot or make her look bad because that's not what it is. But Lydia's mom, mm-hmm. sometimes like her tone sounds a little mean, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. She's just like sometimes communicates very aggressively mm-hmm. um, and is very loud. Mm-hmm. And one time she made Maya cry. Mm-hmm. And 
and like it this is what it took for her to like wake up Lydia's mom to wake up is because uh. because of that Lydia and her mom got into a little argument at the end of the day what like Lydia had to tell her mom was do you know what Maya said she's not crying because she got in trouble by you she's crying and she said that you hate her because of how you talk to her no. and she was like oh my gosh yeah. and of course she doesn't and we know she doesn't yeah, that's yeah. why we're able to say that to her yeah. but like you know that changed the way she talked to Maya you know and there are things that our parents will do for our kids that they'll never do for us <laughs> you know i mean some yeah. it's this is kind of sad but some people with pets know that right mm-hmm. some people's moms treat their dogs better than they treat their kids <laughs> and like that's exactly how they'll treat their grandchildren yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know because it, it it's very rare that you have a relationship where you get to just pour on them and and yet not not feel like you have any responsibility Mm. you know and i think it's a very freeing thing in that sense to be a grandparent um i've heard a lot of i'm not a grandparent so i can't say this is true or not but i've heard a lot of grandparents say like i never learned how to love until i met my grandchildren Mm. you know Mm. because there it is different um so yeah in that case like to your friend i would say I know it's hard, but for the sake of your children, just give them a chance. And yeah, like obviously if they're like abusive toward your children, like protect your children at all costs, Mm -hmm. but don't, don't just write it off because of your personal experience, you know, because their engagement with their grandchildren are usually very different. Yeah. Although they might be super sweet to them and then look at you and tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. it's worth it, yeah. you know, for the grandchildren. I know that, you know, for my kids growing up, they knew all their grand- grandparents mm. and they loved them so well. Mm. Um, but I was, I don't remember when it was, but I was like super sad recently because, um, I mean, for for context, I lost my dad mm. um, in 2020 to COVID. Mm. Um and all my kids knew him, except, um, like, Maya didn't really know him, mm. you know. Um, they might have met once or twice, but that was about it, right? Um, but my my older two have, like, so many memories of him. Mm. Um, but Maya doesn't, and then now Zion absolutely doesn't, you know. And yeah. he doesn't get to get that love. Right. Um, and so that, you know, things like that, that'll make me sad sometimes. Mm. But... For kids, there's such a special place in their hearts for the grandparents because they are they know that their grandparents are the ones who will love them but not discipline them, mm. who will like give them what they want in secret, yeah. you know, and like who they can almost like share secrets with, like from their parents, yeah. right? Um, and there are so many memories. Like when Lydia's parents want to spend time with my kids, I I always let them. And even so, there's like this this. Uh, what do you call it? Like a rhythm mm-hmm. um, that occurs every Saturday where Lydia's dad um, will go out and buy McDonald's breakfast, mm-hmm. which isn't the healthiest breakfast. <laughs> and all the kids will go to, you know, grandma and grandpa's room mm-hmm. and they'll sit there and they'll eat McDonald's breakfast and watch TV. Mm-hmm. Probably like everything that a responsible parent doesn't want their children to do outside yeah. of like having candy and like playing with knives right, right, right. <laughs> but 
and so like I, I there was a part of me that I was like man should I say something should I like shift it to something more productive should I you know whatever but mm-hmm. then like the conclusion I kind of came to is man when they're older they're mm-hmm. gonna remember this they're gonna remember lazy Saturdays in grandma grandpa's room yeah. like they probably won't even remember what they watched but they'll know they ate some sort of McDonald's breakfast and hung out with grandpa and grandma. Yeah. And so like that memory to me becoming like a core memory mm. and a rhythm mm. is to me worth the McDonald's that they're consuming, yeah. you know, or the TV that the screen time beyond our control, yeah. you know, that, that they're using. And so, yeah, oh, that is so precious. I'm, I'm yeah. sure whenever in the future they eat McDonald's breakfast, it's right. going to trigger that memory. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. man, I remember I used to eat this with grandma and grandpa every Saturday, yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 And that, I know that's going to happen because I know Shirley, she grew up with her grandma grandma, um, until like she was like in like high school. Wow. Yeah, uh-huh. so she like lived with them for a long time. So like she'll still like talk about things that they used to mm. do with such fondness. Yeah. Like she'll she'll say like, oh like we used to live there and, um like every Saturday like she'll pull the wagon and like we'll uh-huh. like sit in and, and like go explore like things like that mm-hmm. like just randomly mm-hmm. she'll like remember something like it doesn't even have to be at that spot like she I think she mentioned it because she saw like trees or something like that you know mm. and like for me like whenever I eat pop like I never leave a single grain <laughs> of rice I'm the same way yeah. as my grandma yeah and then it was like it wasn't it wasn't like my grandmother forced me to it was she always like after i was done with the bowl was like oh you're not done yet and like she would like show me like how to eat that mm. so it's like whenever like i finished a bowl of rice like wow. i think about that i think about her you know uh-huh. so it's yeah it's yeah for sure so precious those memories yeah and so there's a part of me that's like man i i can't wait until we live separately mm. but there's a part of me that's like you know what? I don't mind doing this until we can't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so good. So do you feel like um, in the way that you've seen kind of how your family, quote unquote, brokenness has been, you know, semi or maybe fully repaired? Like, are, are you able to kind of see that in like your ministry and like the people around you? For a while, we were. Mm. I think COVID kind of did a number on that uh, yeah. because everyone, you know, just started, everyone was just afraid mm. of people mm. at that point. Mm. Um, and so I think we're kind of rebuilding to all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, because with COVID, it was like if you see your grandparents, you could kill yeah, them kind of. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that kind of that didn't help at all but before that it was it was really cool to be able to speak into like other parents lives Mm. um for parents to like trust us with how they should deal with their children and yes like i think that a lot of youth parents will do that with their youth pastors and i was you know doing youth in addition to the em but i think the kind of advice we were able to give them and you know to see them genuinely try to pursue their kids in that i think that that's very cool to see Mm. right like just communication i think at the end of the day a lot of parents you know i don't know if there are any young people listening to this but if there are when parents hurt their kids very often 
it's not intentional. Mm. It's just, and, and it's so frustrating for the parent because they don't know how to fix it. Yeah. Um, but I think it all does come down to communication. A lot of it comes down to how we communicate to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a strong believer that we can change, that one person can change an entire relationship mm-hmm. by how they talk, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we, we've seen it in the past and we want to continue to see it, of mm-hmm. course, in the future. Um, now that people are getting back together more often, I think we're getting to see a better picture of it. Um, but even with our church right now, we're in a very unique situation where our church isn't fully done undergoing construction. Mm. So we don't have regular touch points with our KM. You know, we've almost been like our own little church plant for the last like, like year. Mm. Wait, do you guys have a building now? We have a building in Peachtree Corners. Oh. Um, but we only have like the room that the EM can meet in ready. And so I we've see. been meeting there. I see. Oh, yeah. cool. But the KM Sanctuary has been taking a while because of, you know, s- supply chain stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you know <laughs> supply chain stuff. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. And so like a lot of our subcontractors weren't able to meet their deadlines. Mm. And it's not their fault. It's just... Yeah. If you don't have the material, what can yeah. you do? Yeah. And so um, it was supposed to be done actually like now, like mm. this this specific week. But I think it got pushed back to like June. Mm. Yeah, I see. But once once, you know, we're all in the same building together, mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to be a lot more active in mm. that again, too. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a, a cutoff time that you're good? Because I... <laughs> I'm good. Because I wanted to ask, uh, or I mean, we're almost at an hour, but you mentioned COVID and I wanted to ask a question. Feel free to decline mm-hmm. to answer, but something kind of interesting that I, I saw during COVID, like kind of after the, like, the strictest like, lockdowns and mandates and all that kind of stuff subsided, I, I saw it took a toll on like, pastors mm. like i saw a lot of shift in i mean like your friend group like a yeah. lot of some people like choosing to find a different vocation like there's like people moving around things like that do you have any in- insight in- as to kind of why that happened was it covid related um because it definitely does sound like covid had a toll on you know kind of the the, the thing that you were called to do yeah. right yeah so. i mean yeah even for me myself covid we can if you did like a line graph of how well i thought our church was doing Mm -hmm. um there would definitely be a big dip Mm -hmm. um somewhere in the middle of the pandemic probably Mm -hmm. when people started kind of when it became hard to just kind of hang in there because it was indefinite at that point um yeah i mean absolutely because because our the nature of ministry is is people related right and it's face to face and it's like elbow to elbow um it's it's not the same when things shift digitally um and then you know of course if our only job was you know to run a smooth worship service then we can probably do that Mm -hmm. um but when we start losing the relational touch points 
it becomes really hard. Mm. You know, that's when you start losing vision. Mm. That's when you start um, kind of wavering, you know, for some people in their call in general, mm. but um, for others just in like hope for their ministry, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like they know they're, they're still going to be pastors, but they don't know if anything will change with their congregation, with their group. Mm. Uh, we've also seen, you know, drastic dips in attendance mm-hmm. um, or even like, you know, Zoom services are not, they're not the most fun things to do, right. you know, in a sense, it's like, you know, the first couple times I did it, I was like, oh, this is so convenient. Like, I don't have to dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, right after we do it and we hang up, I'm just home. Right. And I just take care of my kids and back to the family grind, like no one coming up to me afterwards and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the primary thing, um, if I could pinpoint it to one thing mm-hmm. that happened or that COVID did, um, I think communication between people had to become that much more intentional. Mm. And if you didn't have that intentionality, the relationship was going to take a toll. Yeah. Whether it was family or friendships or ministry, mm. you know. And I think that's when pastors started getting really busy because <clears throat> excuse me, they're like trying to figure out the whole digital thing. Yeah. It's not like all the pastors were were doing that to begin with, yeah. right? And so um, they had to figure all that out. But then on top of that, people are having a harder time than ever before. But they're having a harder time than ever before. Um, and just things, I think it was just like a really long strip of rocky road where like at first you're like, okay, well, let me just like hang in there. And then you're like, when is this going to end? Yeah, You know, and so... It definitely took a toll, you know, it took a toll on, on my peers. It took a toll on myself. Yeah. Um, I know some of the, the largest, I mean, Atlanta is a pretty large city too, but I know some of my friends in New York and California had it really hard. Mm. Um, I know churches that um, haven't started meeting in person until recently. Mm. Um, and of course, like there was that that other blip that just happened earlier this year too, right, you know, right. where <laughs> every church went like full digital again yeah. because of Omicron. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So when there's like not a regular rhythm of people getting together, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's, it's like twofold. One is the pastor wanting to, um, having to be extra intentional about building relationship with people mm-hmm. or I guess threefold Two the people having to be extra intentional about engaging the pastor mm-hmm. and when they're not and when the pastor's not um they feel like they're unseen all of a sudden mm-hmm. um and then three just between the community right like for a pastor i don't know about every pastor but for me man like i don't need anything more than the people at my church loving one another mm-hmm. you know and, and you know of course like the people in their spheres and outside and the, in the community and things like that. But primarily like as long as my church feels like they're a church, you know, um, like they're a people of God together, like there's nothing more that I could ask for. Yeah. But when everyone feels so isolated, um, that like hurts your heart yeah. as a pastor, you know, it's, it's not like disappointment. 
or like, oh, they should know better. It's just like, you know, it's not easy for them. Yeah. But then there's really nothing you can do at that point until they're ready to step back into the fold. Right. You know? and so. Yeah, I, I think we definitely did take for granted like the simple fellowship time that mm-hmm. we had at church. You know, even if like it wasn't like fully intentional, just the fact that, you know, before service, yep. we were, like, meeting, small talk, and then after service, like, oh, you guys want to go eat? Like those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think now that I'm, now that we're back in it, it's like, oh, it was so precious. Yeah. Like, we, like, without it, like, it was so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I didn't realize how energizing, as an introvert, surprising yeah. to say, I didn't realize how energizing it was to, like, have, like, fellowship with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, so when the, when COVID, like, first happened and everyone went virtual, like, it was, like, me or pastor and, like, one other guy, like, in the big sanctuary by ourselves, <laughs> like, trying to, I think in the early on, like, it was, like, off of my, like, Microsoft Surface, like, using the camera on that, like, some of my wow. thinky, like, I, uh, the podcast uh, equipment to try to, like, get all the sound I might have seen some of those services. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was, like, it was so, yeah, it was so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the word of God doesn't change, mm-hmm. right? And, like, worshiping God, you sh- people say, like, you should be able to worship anywhere, mm-hmm. which is true, but I think, yeah, like, the fellowship aspect of, mm-hmm. of service, I think we, like, everyone yeah. kind of wrote off. Mm-hmm. But for me, personally, at least, it, like, really, like, was like, oh, it's so important. Like, yeah. we're not just doing this just to hang out. Like, it yeah. really, building the body of Christ mm-hmm. is, like, so huge yeah and really just showing up is is half the battle Mm, yeah you know and so there's a different level of engagement you're ready to um like jump into when you take a shower and you put on a shirt that you don't mind people seeing Mm -hmm. and you go out of the house you get in the car you drive a certain amount of minutes you get back out of the car you unload your kids you go into a space, right? Like once you do that, you're ready for a certain level of engagement versus like rolling out of your bed, like fixing your hair a little bit and then turning up, maybe, maybe turning on your camera. No, sometimes it was waking up, getting your phone, having your camera turned (laughs) off and just turning on the service. Yeah. 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 And like, and so in that sense that like the level of engagement people are ready for in person is just different. Yeah. And I think when that stopped happening for a very long time, I mean, it's almost like the the anti-retreat, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the reason that a retreat is so hype is not because like, not always because like the worship team is better than your church is right. or like, you know, because the speaker is better than your pastor or anything else. It's like this buzz of like all these other people you're, that are there with you, yeah. you know, and you're there for a very specific reason and you're engaged, yeah. you know, and like the complete opposite of that happened with COVID. Right. And so that was rough. Yeah. It was definitely rough. Yeah. I mean, and all that to say, I think um, if you're at a local church and you, your pastor's still there, like, man, Give him an encouraging yeah. word. You Go know, like, thank him. Take him out to coffee. Yeah. You know, like it means a lot. It means, I mean, and we don't do it to be seen mm-hmm. or noticed, 
But when people see or notice, yeah. you know, who wouldn't be encouraged by that? If anyone from Gem is listening, <laughs> your pastor. If anyone from Gem is listening, I cut coffee, so take me out to tea. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and you know, and I'll say this to all the other churchgoers out there that are not part of Gem, because Gem, you're awesome. Um, everyone else needs work. No, I'm just kidding. But um, one of the things that I always like share with people as a pastor that gives them perspective because i guess they don't really think about it is is reach out to your pastor Mm. like they're not too busy for you they're not like upset that you're interrupting them they're waiting for you to contact them Mm. and it's far easier for 30 50 100 people to separately and individually contact one person than for that one person to be expected to contact all 100 of you yeah you know and so and it doesn't mean he shouldn't try or she shouldn't try, mm. but, you know, make their job a little easier. Reach out to them. See how they're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think we do put an uh, unreasonable amount of expectation on pastors. Mm. Like we expect them to be great speakers, funny, engaging, yeah. full of wisdom. And then when they're done, we expect them to, like, shepherd, like, to, like, yep. console us and yep. to have solutions to every relational issue we're going (laughs) through like whether it be with our kids or like our our spouses Mm -hmm. and then throughout the week you're like what like they're they're not doing anything so they should be able to accommodate (laughs) all these like requests that i have right so i think um yeah yeah, i i commend you for being a pastor and um i i encourage you um i think it's great you know like yeah i mean it's just I, i don't i hope you know that you guys are like so so loved and Mm. so valued Mm. in the most underrated way understated way Mm. because i think it's like it's easy to take for granted someone who you see every week um and who and it's very easy to say well that's what they're getting paid to do Mm -hmm. and which is like a really odd statement Mm -hmm. for a job that is motivated by calling rather than the paycheck Absolutely. You know I mean? mean, you should take a look at their paychecks and you'll stop saying it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people you don't know. know. Yeah. So, yeah. Pastors, I think, um, yeah, having come out of COVID, yeah, they really do. I think we they need special mm. attention. Yeah. Should, I, I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. But then, you know, props to guys like you, too, who are lay leaders who work during the week, who have families and yet show up. For the extra hours not because you get paid but because you love the church you mm-hmm. know and you serve and those hours aren't unseen mm-hmm. and they're not unappreciated you know and so again for anyone who's listening if you're bothered because your pastor seems to suck at something you know perhaps they just don't have the bandwidth for mm-hmm. it and it would really help for someone who you know maybe notices those things to step up and to fill those needs yeah you know yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy to sit back and criticize. It's a whole other ball game to actually take ownership of your local ministry, your mm-hmm. local church, and say, "Hey, I, I want to help out and I yeah. want to serve." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, we can talk about this forever, but on a base <laughs> level, let me just ask you to give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. They're not lazy. They're mm-hmm. not stupid. Right? They went through schooling to be underpaid. Like they paid tons of money to be underpaid Mm. to do what they're doing Mm. you know um it's not volunteer work but it's pretty close to it and so 
yeah, just love on them, man. Appreciate them. Yeah. yeah and shout out to Jem because I feel very loved on and appreciated. I really do. Mm. And so I'm not just saying it, but shout out to you guys if you listen. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to send it to all the members <laughs> that I know. Hey, go listen to your pastor. Um, and lastly, um, I actually wanted to talk to you about the Butt Honey podcast. So mm-hmm. for those of you who guys don't know, um, there is a great podcast out there called The Butt Honey, as in like, but honey, you know, the But Honey podcast, and it was hosted by uh, Pastor John and his wife, Lydia. And it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but the heart behind it was to kind of have a, a model for how to have civil disagreements, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It was a, it is a great podcast and like so, so much wisdom and it was very entertaining, mm. right? Um, so any, any thoughts? Uh, behind kind of getting that rolling again getting some new podcasts man to be honest we we have had some people ask and things like that and i we do want to Uh right so it's it's shelved indefinitely but it's not thrown away Mm. um i mean the world is only getting more disagreeable it seems like it it seems less and less okay to disagree with people um which is so insane to me because civilizations are literally built by people who disagree with each other being able to come together, yeah. right, for a, a greater common goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people these days are super conditioned uh, by the media um, to, and, you know, honestly, I'm talking to some teachers, maybe even some education systems. Mm to like hyper focus on these differences mm. you know back like when we were kids we were taught to notice the differences to appreciate them mm. but i feel like kids these days are are almost conditioned to be hyper focused on them like this like it needs to be fixed mm. um but difference like how creepy would it be to live in a world where literally every single person agreed about everything. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it's possible, but it's creepy. You know? It's like, yeah. what is it? Like, what is it? Stepford Wives? Like, oh, yeah. fake, like, like yeah. yeah. That's you, what it would be. You know, but I, I think it's, the creepier part isn't that. The, the creepier part to me is what I'm seeing happening is people will only talk about the things that they know other people agree with mm-hmm. you on. And mm-hmm. then, like, whatever is kind of triggering or hot take or whatever, people, like, for fear of their livelihood, mm-hmm. which is the crazy part. It's like mm-hmm. you, you're literally, like, you risk your mortgage and your family, like, having to move out of their house yeah. because you have an opinion that's not shared by yeah not even the majority, maybe, like, a vocal minority, somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, yeah, it's we see so many examples of how to have a very combative and aggressive yeah, disagreement. Absolutely. But there's so few um, examples of how to have a good, like civil conversation. Mm. And like, you know, like the Oscars with like Will Smith <laughs> slapping Chris Rock. Yep. Like this is like kind of the things that happens. Like <laughs> the Oscars is supposed to be like a prestigious award yeah. ceremony. And because you don't agree with what someone jokes about, like, you feel you have yeah. the right to physically assault mm-hmm. the person. Like, and I mean, if uh, we can do a whole podcast about that, <laughs> but if you want to like take it a level deeper, uh. he did laugh. Yeah. Something happened in between him laughing and him slapping Chris, which was probably 
the fact that he noticed that Jada was offended, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's like illegal now. We're mm-hmm. not allowed to offend people. You know, I feel bad for comedians mm-hmm. because their entire livelihood depends on offending people. Yeah. But the right level. Yeah. But that level is is not safe anymore. Yeah. You know, like I I encourage people everywhere look up any comedy movie made in the early 2000s <laughs> and play it. Yeah. Those would be like contraband today. Yeah. I'm surprised they're still on certain streaming sites right. because they're so quote unquote offensive. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And so that's kind of why we started the podcast mm. because we wanted people to see it was okay to disagree mm. and that, you know, more than being okay to disagree that you can still come to the table and have like civil discourse yeah. and appreciate each other. Yeah. Right. Like not all of my friends agree with me politically right. not all of my friends agree with my religious point of view not even everyone who's a christian agrees with the what i believe about christianity right, right. but but that's okay yeah like we can still coexist and do more right yeah. we can still appreciate each other and be in relationship and love one another and serve one another and we're allowed to do that yeah. and i think that's what we we wanted to show, you know, and so. And one thing I appreciate about the podcast is it wasn't like so. Like for example, the episode where you and Lydia are disagreeing about you like with technology. Mm-hmm. And with it, it wasn't like at the end of the podcast you were like, okay, let's tally up the scores yeah. and see who's, who's more. right. Right. <laughs> and then now you have to. Right. Right. It was all right. Now we got it out there, and this is like how we're like appreciating each other and good. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be that once you start an art, like a conversation about something that you have to conform to right. one idea at the right. end. Right. So right. it's, it's, I think that is, that is something we're losing. It's when we start having a, a lot of the conversation, like Twitter, right? A mm-hmm. lot of the arguments, it's like, they're so toxic and yeah. it's like, you can tell both parties want to conclude it with the other person saying, fine, you are right. Yep. I'll now subscribe to whatever way you think yeah. you have, which is like, that's impossible. Yeah. Like, how, unless we're robots, which mm-hmm. I don't think we are, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And I think if you look at most, even like married couples, huh. anything that really works well and progresses forward, it's the level of disagreements and how we, how we handle those things mm. that lead to progress, mm. you know, because there has to be an alternative point of view. Mm. And, you know, personally, I think offense is a choice, you know, and people are entitled to their own opinion. It's not like, what is it doing to me that I need to be so angry? Right. Yeah. Uh, but, and I also think it's counterproductive, the, the kind of society we've created, because people who live in fear of sharing their opinions, like they're not going to change their opinion if they're not talking. Like yeah. may, maybe they maybe some people have genuinely like really bad opinions, like like neo-Nazis mm-hmm. they have really bad <laughs> ideas of like race. Right. Yes. But, like, you know, unless, until like you can engage with people like that and get them to, you know, like explore and think about talk about why they think these things like they're going to hold on to those ideas yeah. forever, you know? So maybe in like a less extreme example, like a wife and a husband, mm-hmm. um, maybe the way that, oh, 
uh, the episode that Shirley and I did yeah. on the Bad savers honey. and spenders. Yeah, yeah. Like financial, like mm-hmm. financially, how do you figure out how to? Because that's a big thing when you get yeah, married. Yeah, absolutely huge. Yeah. If I just were to be quiet and stew over the fact that I disagree with mm. what my wife is doing, but like I'm afraid to share my opinion, then either I'm you know gonna blow up one day on her, and then like we're gonna get in a huge fight, or like. It's just I'm gonna live in a constant state of stress and yeah. just like miserable, right. like misery, yeah. right? Yeah. One or the other is gonna be oppressed. Right. 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 So, yeah, just being able to say, hey, let's let's get it all out there. Let's have this conversation. You know, we're not gonna hate each other mm-hmm. at the end of this. Let's just have a conversation so we can learn about yeah. each other and you know deepen our connection and relationship. I think that's like so valuable, Absolutely. so needed, but so scarce yeah. in our society. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting more and more scarce. And yeah. so, yeah, so we're just wanting to help people see the alternative means of communication, mm-hmm. I guess. And just kind of in a very fun, light, formal, informal way, introduce certain disagreements. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we haven't done the super hot topics yet which mm-hmm. like i've always wanted to do mm-hmm. to be honest like i want to get a republican and a democrat together oh yeah, yeah i yeah, want to yeah. talk you know and i want to do those things yeah but you know i mean we didn't stop because we hated it or anything like that it's just circumstances with life just happened and now we have our fourth he's a newborn he was born a month ago and so but we are talking about man how do we do it because both of us it's still on our hearts Mm. and yeah and it it is tough because like both of us have to be ready and be motivated right you know and so again full circle that's why episode 130 something is not a joke (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank yeah. you. No, but I know I, I, I would say though you should consider maybe like if Lydia isn't feeling up to it, maybe you do it with like a guest. Yeah. So I, like, yeah, I've thought vice about versa, it. Vice versa, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not up to it, you're busy with church, and then Lydia would be able yeah. to. Yeah. I, I mean, all just just because I mean it's great when you guys are together, mm-hmm. obviously, but um, yeah, I just I want to selfishly motivate every <laughs> podcaster that i know personally to like keep going i get it man yeah yeah i mean little tidbit i started this podcast um because the reason i started it is because i thought man i wish there were like a local podcast that i could listen to um and like these are people that i know mm. and like kind of get their takes on things yeah, yeah. And, like, you know have someone like you know, it's just it's mm-hmm. fun and like get yeah, to know them a little absolutely. better absolutely and I'm so glad with with you when you started. But I mean, I'm not saying that it was my <laughs> influence that got you started. But it was. No, no, no. But um, like when you started, but honey, that was great. When like um, Blair started, when yeah. I grew up, that was awesome. When uh, Andy started uh, Nabi Design mm-hmm. podcast, I was like so many like oh, like yeah. so many local podcasts mm-hmm. that I could listen to. Um, and um, oh, there's one more podcast that I've been enjoying, but. I haven't gotten the host's permission to talk about it openly yet, so oh, I won't. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I'm going to ask him and see if I can That's cool. have him on. Yeah, so um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a selfish question of me to ask, like, when's the butt honey yeah, podcast yeah. coming back? But I, I, I do really believe the heart behind it and kind of your mission of the podcast is so needed and, mm-hmm. and, 
and yeah amazing for sure it's on its way back (laughs) it's okay completely honestly it's probably mainly me i have to motivate myself to do what you're doing now like all this stuff people don't know people don't know that you have to record and cut things and put in an intro and an Mm -hmm. outro and find the appropriate title and description and then put it into you know i don't know if you're still using anchor but into Mm -hmm. you know some sort of platform and then have it all go out and then blast it out you know and so i got really tired because of COVID Mm -hmm. as a pastor Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but but um it is making its way back yeah Yeah. i actually just recently took out all the equipment again and i was like looking at it i was like oh it's been a while yeah yeah and if you ever need a guest, I'll, absolutely. I one thing about me, I'm actually pretty good at having an opposing opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you say it in a number of your episodes where you say like, "Man, this isn't my personal opinion. I'm just gonna play devil's advocate." Yeah, yeah and I I like to do the same, mm-hmm. and so I think it'll be fun even just to do it myself with some guests. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, people will mind Zion making noise in the background. Oh too, no, probably, I think people so. would prefer that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know. Yeah. yeah, having having kids. Yeah, it's. I mean, I only have two. I can only imagine with four yeah. what what that's like. Yeah. Man, yeah, we should get all the podcasters, the local podcasters, together, yeah. and we should do an episode together. That'd that would be, be really fun. fun. Yeah, you know, I actually got um the inter the interface I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have one that only did two tracks. Yeah, I got one got that the does, four. It's it actually can can do six. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So that would be great to get everyone on together. Yeah, that would be, be super really fun. fun. Yeah. Hey, well, let's make it happen. Let's make Bring it happen. your own mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It's we're almost at uh, 1.30 already. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, thank, thank you so much for being on. Any any last thoughts that you want to close out with? Um. Man, we talked about a lot. I mean, yeah. thank you for listening and sticking with us for an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, again, thank you, David, for this podcast, because it, it is inspirational, you know, um, it is motivating to other creatives to want to cre- keep creating, even when it's not easy. Um, and we need, we need more voices mm-hmm. out there. And so, yeah, this, this was only beneficial to the return of But Honey. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, was, that was the plan. That was the yeah. The, the ulterior motive yeah, behind this. That's it. And thanks, Lydia. Thanks, honey, for letting me be here. You know, oh, any yeah, no. time not with her is, is you know, a sacrifice for her. Yeah. You know, so thank yeah. you. Seriously, thank you, Lydia. I can only imagine <laughs> three kids at home by yourself. Yeah. Four. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you guys so much for listening. And um, we will be eagerly awaiting the return of the Butt Honey podcast. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Bye, guys. Bye.